0: Welcome to the Impunity Observer live stream. Fergus Hodgson Publisher here. Thanks for tuning in. If you have not already, go to ImpunityObserver.com and get on our monthly e newsletter list. We give you geopolitical intelligence connecting the Americas. It's my honor to do uh, this publication. I'm I'm very proud of it. And today we will be we get on all our social media feeds. I particularly like the telegram feed for real time updates. But Today, we're going to be examining the Argentine election or uh, first round of election results for the presidency. And we have one of my longtime friends, a brilliant man here, Adam Dubov, to uh, give us the analysis from Buenos Aires. I'm in Denver, Colorado. And so much to say, but Adam, he is an Argentine native, and he's the co-founder and director of a financial intelligence service. Now, I'll just introduce it a little bit. It's called Ichimoku Fibonacci, as you see from the screen there, it says begin with your, your right foot forward or make your best foot forward and with your investments. And an in English translation might be go with your eyes open or begin in an intelligent fashion. Okay, Adam, we have a lot to digest here, so welcome, buddy. And before I go through the results, is there any kind of preliminary note you want to make before I give them that? Let's Let's say, if you see the results, why should I not emphasize them? Or what, what should people know before they look at those?
1: Hi, Fergus, again, yeah, thank yeah. you for, for inviting me. I was saying that
0: when we're going to see the results on their own, maybe yes. they won't tell
1: they won't tell the full story because we exactly. will have to, co- to compare it with what happened on the primary election. And then we will have to analyze how the, the those who, who didn't got to the second round, those who voted for an option that won't advance to the next round, how will they vote so that's that's a key issue yeah
0: there's 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 so much to unpack here and I'm glad I've got you so let's just let's just go through these results before we digest it so so Sergio or Sergio Massa of I guess the Peronista representative here yes actually prevailed with almost 37% and Javier Har- Millet of the Freedom or Liberty Advances coalition right on 30% and then Patricia Bullrich, 24%. So, Mm -hmm. almost 10% going to other candidates. Now, how unexpected were these results? Because, and I'm going to go to the election betting odds soon, but do you want to comment? Because I thought that Millet was just streets ahead of everybody. What happened to that?
1: We we all thought that, and these results were unexpected as they were the primary results, unfortunately, in the other way around. Let's remember that... uh, Five years ago, six years ago, Javier Milei was just a TV personality, a very uh, extroverted economist who would go to TV and people would look at that would would, would uh, be very popular in TV. In 2021, he made he jumped into politics. He ran for a seat in Congress and he got a 17 percent in the city of Buenos Aires. And ever since he he started his presidential campaign. The primary results were unexpected because Milley got the first position as the most voted candidate and the most voted party when everyone was expecting for Patricia Bullrich, who is the more traditional, mainstream, conservative opposition, to to, to get that place. So that was an upset in the primary election and... From that position, everyone was very enthusiastic and expecting that Millet would improve these results because people that probably wouldn't have voted for him because thinking about uh, wasting their vote by voting someone who a priori didn't have uh, a lot of chances of winning the election, the people after seeing that would would switch their, their vote to Millet, but that didn't happen. What mm-hmm. we've seen is that uh, in this election, in the first round that we had yesterday, we have a handful of new voters that didn't go to vote in the primary election. And most of those voters, and I think the number is around 2 million new voters that didn't vote in the past elections, when yes. mostly for the candidate who is from the ruling party, from the ruling coalition. He's currently the minister of economy. In a country where inflation runs at a 200% (laughs) per year, 60% of children are poor in the country, and maybe 40% plus of the people lives in the most abject poverty here. despite all of this, he got 2 million more votes, and he got a significant difference with Millet, reaching almost 37% against 30% of Millet. So it's really unexpected that a, a member of the government that has put the country in this dire economic situation is uh, getting a uh, 36% but at the same time this is the worst election for a peronist govern- candidate and even worse if we take into account that the government is the the, the, per- the government was in hands of a peronist so if we zoom out of these elections the while, while this is an electoral victory for, for the Peronismo, this has been uh, one of the lowest or the lowest number of votes that they got uh, since since
0: their, the democracy came back in 1983. Yeah, that's a great point, actually, Adam, that basically the the conservative or traditional center-right opposition was divided, and so the Peronistas actually got a smaller proportion, but just the opposition was split between two major opposition candidates. So that I didn't really think about that, but that is an important point to make. Now, as you know, I tend to not listen to commentators so much or predictors. I listen to the, the odds, the betting odds, where are people are putting their money. And I found this, which you will see as extremely telling. Last night I looked this up and I thought, ouch, this mm-hmm. is huge. Okay. So yesterday... And had over 70% probability of becoming the next president, according to the betting, right, to the odds, and where people were placing their money. And in one day, he's gone down by almost 30%, and Masa, Sergio Massa has gone up 35%. And you can just look at this lovely curve that Milley was just gradually increasing, increasing, confidence was growing in him, and then it just crumbled. Why were the the betters? Why were they just so wrong, Adam? I don't get it.
1: Yeah, well, everyone. I mean, oh, not not only the betters, but well, the pollsters were wrong as well. I think all but one or two polls uh, were anticipating this this result result with Massa in the first in the first position, and I think a lot of people after what I told of about how Massa recovered from the primary election would we think, yeah. well, but was there any kind of fraud going on with the election to see uh, these- <laughs> um, Maybe, yeah. Th- th- this, uh, this change, this radical change in results. And, and while they were not like uh, as complaints or allegations of, of a systematic fraud, there were some isolated events of people stealing ballots and or or defacing ballots in order to make them invalid, but what happened mainly was during the the period between the primary election and the and this first round election that the Peronist government put on full steam their political machiner- machinery, and they started announcing a set of measures of economic measures that meant increasing a little bit the purchase power of the people's income, such as reducing or temporarily reducing uh, taxes on wages and launching Mm. a set of like loans, subsidized loans with uh, rates of 50% per year in a country Mm. that has a 200% inflation. And a lot of what is called the fear campaign, they use like official signs in the rail in the rails in the in the railway stations and in, in the in the bus ticketing system telling people that if they if they don't vote for masa for the rolling coalition candidate they would pay fivefold their train fares or their bus fares so the, the government put all their all their um, tools to work and to to turn this around and they, they did it successfully.
0: Now, so yeah, the, the, the bread and circus really came out in this first round. And, but tell me, Adam, is that a, maybe a, a foolhardy strategy? Because now all the, the foolish or superficial policies have been put out there, all the fear campaigns were put out there in the first round. And then Millet now has time to respond to and dispatch with the, the silliness, you might say.
1: Well, yes. Now Millet has the 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 goal of uh, convincing those who didn't vote for him, which is not going to be as easy as it sounds. Although the other the other coalition that got uh, opposition coalition that got uh, around five million votes and are and didn't reach the the second round, most of mm-hmm. them consider themselves to be anti Peronists, to be yes. against this government. But at the same time, there's been there's been a lot of. Uh, of quarrels and heated discussions and insults coming from one side to the other side, and from the other side to, to the other side. So um, they will have not only to convince them to vote for him, but also to um, heal all the wounds that left this, this phase of the
0: campaign. Yeah, that's probably one of the, so that, that it's a it's a very tricky piece of the puzzle because on the one hand, yes, a quarter of people voted for the, let's say, traditional conservative candidate or rival. So you would think, predictably, oh, these guys will just go and support Millay, who's promoting market reforms, right? More laissez-faire like capitalism. But if they have been badmouthing each other, maybe they just don't want, don't want to go out to vote. Absolutely, yeah. Um,
1: so that th- 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 I think that also harms Millay's libertarian project, because had he won in the first round or he got a better result in the first round, he would have gotten more uh, legislators, more congressmen uh, to support their their his bills. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't have to negotiate with the sta- statist opposition, which um, in some sense, they are not so different from the ruling coalition in terms of maybe, yes, in terms of policies, but in terms of, of their mind frame and the way they look at the politics and at economics, they they have a more similar mind frame as the as the Peronists. So Millet will have to make concessions. He will he will have to give up on some points and include people from the Juntos por el Cambio together for change mainstream mission, yes. and yeah. that will of course harm his harm the legitimacy he will have for. Um, I'm implementing his libertarian policies if he finally ends up winning the second round.
0: Yeah, that is, that's an important point, Adam, that he because he did not win in the first round, Millet, who's pr- promoting serious reform, which is, of course, what Argentina needs. I wrote years ago, Argentina needs an amputation, cut out all this per- peronismo garbage. <laughs> but because he did not win in the first round, yes, he doesn't have as strong of a mandate, should he prevail in the end, and he's going to have to kind of offer a little bit of, yeah, like you said, he has to, has to offer some concessions to his, not arch rivals, but to his kind of maybe personality challenged opposition, right? So the, the natural center-right, but who, I'm trying to use clean language here, but who have been complaining about him or don't like him personally. Now, one element to the international coverage, and I always want to challenge international media which i see is misleading and is the way they have characterized me like the chainsaw candidate for example or the potty mouth as you're saying <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i read the guardian potty mouth yeah
0: yeah and it, it's funny because on the one hand this is this is some of these things are accurate right here's maybe a potty mouth fine i don't not that i care but on the other hand, they will disca- describe this Sergio, Mass- Sergio Massa as some kind of moderate. I'm going, are you kidding me? This country is it has 200% inflation, this guy's a total socialist, Argentina has you know, some of the least economically free uh, laws in the world, and you're going to call this guy moderate. What kind of bias is there in these outlets? So let me just go through a few of the examples of Millet, and we can compare. So this is vox right they call let me get this here they vox calls him a far right libertarian okay and the guardian they just they don't even hold back they just call him bad and dangerous <laughs> bad and dangerous and look at that lovely photo so <laughs> such objective news coverage and then they call him a far right Populist. Okay. Now, we sought to be more objective here and use a word that he would probably accept himself, right? We want to describe candidates in the way they would describe themselves or be more precise about it. And we described him as a paleo libertarian. So someone who is somewhat pro liberty, but also has, let's say, some social conservatism. But I guess that nuance or that subtlety is lost on most people. How do Argentines themselves characterize this man?
1: While well, he is called el, el libertario uh, or the libertarian,
0: just libertarian, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, the libertarian mm. which is in Spanish would be a libertario, and his followers are called libertarios, which would be big L libertarians for okay. American American viewers. Um, I don't think that all this international coverage has um, influenced the voter, the medium voter here. Argentina is a country that doesn't, does not pay a lot of attention to international news, even in, the, in the, the main news websites. So I don't see that influencing him, but there is a large po- part of the population that didn't call him the libertarian, and he called him the crazy one.
0: Uh, <laughs> El loco?
1: <laughs> a loco, yes, and, and this is according to a uh, book yeah. about the life of Millet, this is an, a moniker that he has carried since he was a teenager, um, mm. because I, I can understand his his ways of speaking, and when he was fighting with uh, opoli- political opponents or intellectual opponents on TV, he, or, he kind of lost the chain, you know, um, lose his, his, his brakes and started shouting and insulting and else. But I think that it's much more extreme, the status
0: policies that this government applies than someone shouting on TV. That's the, that's the problem, Adam, that you can call him whatever names you want, but that assumes that the status quo is somehow normal or natural or healthy, when of course it absolutely is not. The, the status quo is the real extreme here, that you have a country that is extremely protectionist, Extremely dominated by unions, extremely weighed down, labor laws, whatever, and is yeah, just mired in inflation and high cost of living and, and low productivity, and in a long-term, let's say, exodus of the smartest or hardest working people, people who have to work online. And this requires severe measures, right? You need it, you need a strong response to that. So that's the problem, like you said, if if being away from the status quo makes you a local. Well, fine. Take it on. I'm a loco. It's like up in Canada, they have the the People's Party, and the the, the top candidate there is uh, the leader is called Maxime Bernier, and he goes by the moniker of Mad Max. So does does Millet welcome being called the loco, a loco?
1: Well, yes. I think he he welcomes that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if he's a fan of it, but he hasn't made a, a problem with that. He was even accused of consulting with his dogs through a medium in order to get (laughs) political advice. So, and I think this was very smart from him because back in the, in the, when he was closing the campaign in the primary election, he ended up thinking, uh, uh, being grateful with his four legged, uh, four legged sons who are his dogs. Yes. And he called them the, the best political advisors on earth. (laughs) <laughs> oh Well, because, I mean, his his point is that if I am getting advice from my dogs and I got 30% of the vote in the primary election, these dogs must be the best political advisors in the world. <laughs>
0: that's, that's interesting because it's almost like financial advisors who just all say the same thing and don't give better returns than the S&P 500, right? <laughs> so it's almost better to hire gorillas who just, you know, randomly pick socks than to pay high prices for people who give you bad advice or meaningless advice. Okay, so you, you even though the international press has misrepresented him, in my mind, I mean, there's a kernel of truth, but the way they characterize him is somewhat misleading. Now, let's just go back to the results here. I'll bring these back up and discuss what this means. So when is the, when is the final runoff to this election?
1: So the runoff is on November the nineteenth. So
0: basically, yeah, basically there there are four weeks. There is four weeks between the the initial round, and it's basically neck and neck then between Massa and Milay, Sergio Massa. Yes, um,
1: I was watching. There is already a website called uh, Runoff Simulator. I can send you the the link later. Yes, or, or now if you want to show it, but you can move the the slides on how many people who voted for Bullrich would vote for Millet and for Massa, and yeah. I've just seen one of these uh, one of these uh, a screenshot that someone made and on, posted on on Twitter, and it was like 51 to 49 percent their predictions. So any results, they are neck and neck, and it would be um decided with one or two point difference a uh, percentual points difference so um,
0: basically yes Millet may have an advantage with the bullrich voters mhm but he still has to make up 7% that's a massive uh he needs to make up a, a huge well substantial difference between the two so absolutely yeah yeah
1: it's not as easy as i mean when the Primary election results came and were published. Everyone was very optimistic because the context among, amid his victory was that he was uh, the unexpected uh, winner and people usually go, tends to vote the winner candidate just so they can feel part of the, elect, the, 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 the victor group, the winner group. Mm. And... And the first polls after the primary election, Millet was getting 38% and he needed 40% in order to get a first round victory. Uh, But as weeks went by um, and the MASA campaign started to gain traction, and some enforced errors by Millet's team made him lose a lot of votes. Yeah, so. Just to put it in perspective, if you want to to bring back the results, yes. actually Millay got like eight hundred thousand more votes than in the in the primary election. So he had around seven eight seven million votes. Now he's he close to seven point eight million votes. Right. Borich lost around four. I think it's around four four forty thousand votes. So she she lost some amount of some amount of votes but not a significant one. Mm. And then there is another candidate among those other candidates there are two candidates. One yes. is a guy from Cordoba which is an important province here. He didn't have any chances of getting the presidency but he duplicated his votes. He got like 1.1 million in the primary election, 1.8 million now. Mm. And so, and the fourth and the fifth candidate is just the, the, the communist uh, extreme left wing party <laughs> uh, that got like 2% of the vote. So, yeah. Millet's job now is to convince part of the Bullrich voters, which I would say over, a ha- over half of them are friendly to Millet ideas, the other, the other 40 or 35% are uh, from the radicalist wing which is more of a social democratic wing and they might align with massa so one of the consequences of the of the election results are that the the coalition together for change will probably split and some of them would uh would align with Massa, and some of them would, will align with Millet. for example president a uh, former president macri will probably support Millet. But the outgoing the, the out yes, the, 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 the living um, mayor of Buenos Aires will probably support Massa. So we're going to see that divide between the the, the third the third force or the other the, the mainstream opposition. And mm-hmm. that that's where Millet's highest stakes are, trying to convince the largest amount of people from from Bullridge's camp to move to his camp.
0: And one interesting statistic, which I don't have in the screen sharing, and I should get this up, but is the way that the dollar, dollar blue or the informal black market exchange rate has actually worsened since the primaries. Why would that be? I don't get it. There's been a lot of uh, uncertainty over these days.
1: The government was running out of money to... Uh, Get the dollar intervening the forex market, so yes. the there was more pressure on the free exchange rate of the dollar, mm. also known as dollar blue. But uh, so, uh, but until until touched a thousand pesos per dollar, I think the the rate before the primary election was uh, around six hundred and fifty pesos per per dollar. Uh, mm. But the last week, the government. Uh, deployed police raids all over downtown Buenos Aires in order to curb the sale of uh, the Are you
0: serious.
1: Yeah, the black market exchange rate. So there was an uh, like informal blue exchange rate, and there was the really blue, deep blue exchange rate, mm. because they 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 were they were they almost froze any operation in the traditional. Um, shadow shadow banks or cuevas that usually are in charge of these of these operations. But and now I was watching the market in the morning and all the companies trading in in New York uh, they were losing. Um, their price was was falling up to six or seven percent.
0: Mm. Yeah, interesting because you know I was there in Argentina just less than a year ago in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think it was around 250 uh, pesos to the dollar. That's probably, yeah. Yeah, and that was in the informal or or blue dollar blue market. And as you say, one year later, it has actually cracked a 1,000 and it's going to be fluctuating. So right right at the very moment, it's about 900 pesos per dollar. So in less than a year, you've seen 75% loss of value or two-thirds loss of value versus the U.S. dollar, at least on the informal market. And you think it's not necessarily to do with the primaries. It's more just that the government itself is going through a, a hectic period that happened to coincide.
1: Well, no, I see that the primaries play a role. And also, I think that Millet's proposal of dollarization also like moved uh, or, or added the, the grain of salt to the to all these uh, explosive cocktail of the foreign exchange rate people because people was very worried of of Millet's dollarization proposal and mainly because of the of this fear campaign that we were talking uh, some minutes ago and how economists were saying that if Millet wins the election and he goes and dollarizes the economy the dollar exchange rate would be around 2 or 3000 pesos per dollar uh, so that would also uh, add some uncertainty to the to the uh, price of the peso against against the dollar, but now I think the market wasn't pricing this scenario. I think that in best case best case scenario for the market was or what the market had priced before the, uh, the Sunday was that Millet and Massa would reach the second round, but on the the other way around, Millet leading the election and Massa coming from behind. But this yeah. was, I think, it was not priced in any in any price. All the, the bonds are also falling uh, around now at around 23% parity in right now.
0: Yeah, so it is clear that, and maybe you want to comment on this, that foreign investors obviously want market liberalization because I know, for example, mining companies will have investment basically stuck in Argentina, and they cannot get it out without paying exorbitant taxes or, let's just say, extortionist taxes. So do you want to comment on what... the the two candidates mean for international investment and let's say more broadly just the rule of law that would be attractive to foreign trade and investment?
1: Well, I see that with um, Massa winning the election, nothing will will really change, at least not radically, making this more of a normal country in terms of international money flows. Um, I think that will remain almost the same at least for for the sh- for, for for the next foreseeable future, maybe next mo- next six months, next year. But but I don't see any context changing in the in the short term with a massa victory. And now, in the case of Javier Milei getting the election, uh, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would say that would mean that would mean a significant change in the business climate in the country. But now, with his election and and gaining and gain and not getting enough candid, enough um candidates inside Congress, I'd say that even if he has a chance, he'll have uh less tools in order to implement his his reforms yeah. uh he will have to negotiate more so um if if Millet had won i'd say. It's a good time to start looking into Argentina, uh, looking into Argentinian Argentinean companies, particularly those that would thrive with exports. Um, but now I'd say it's a more a wait and see, wait and see situation, and and wait until November 19 to get a more clear path on what's going to to happen. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and and on the the, the second round election we see a. Uh, massive support from the traditional opposition towards Javier Millet, and that could change the scenarios again. But right now, I'm more prudent and more cautious about um, having an optimist outlook about Argentina.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we've been speaking with Adam Dubov, and his organization is Ichimoku Fibonacci. We'll have that in the show notes, and I put it up in the discussion on YouTube for those watching there. And he is a specialist in all types of, let's say, alternative investments, cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin and foreign alternatives. Now, do you want to comment briefly then about the best way to get a good prediction? You said there's an algorithm. So I follow election betting odds. That's that's one option. But you have another option that you uh, believe in.
1: Which one is that one? Did I told you? Said, you, about you, it? you
0: mentioned you mentioned there's another website that you follow that oh, examines no. who will go for Millet oh. from the Bolrich voters.
1: Yes, um,
0: I'm sending you this link on the private
1: chat. This is the yeah. simulador de balotaje, which is a uh, yes. balotage simulator in Spanish, yes. and that allows you to switch the slide. Yeah, there you have it. So yeah. there you can switch and allocate the votes of. Puntos por el cambio of the other two parties, whether they would go to Union por la patria, which is the ruling coalition party, or to mm-hmm. Libertad Avanza with Javier Millet. So um th- 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 this allows you to play and to um, So this is this is more okay. a great your an adventure,
0: it doesn't necessarily tell you, it just you you can play with it to see what will happen.
1: Yes, exactly, yeah.
0: yeah but I think so
1: prediction that- mark Prediction markets, I thought prediction markets were a good measure or a good um, pers- uh, perspective to have. But now it, you you going see that Millet was at 76% on S- Saturday. Now he's yeah. at
0: 48 Well, we, no one knows everything. That's the challenge that mm-hmm. you've got. I mean, it, I mean, when it comes to sports betting, even, even the, let's say, crowdsourced assessment isn't always right. It's, it's the, but I just, see it, I just see it as better than the alternative. That's all. And so right now, Masa, according to the bettors, has a, a very, very slight advantage over a melee. And whether that will flip in the next couple of weeks, I don't know. But this is just what the betting markets say. So that, like I said, that's, that's my... One thing I focus on, an old friend of mine started that website, so I'm more sympathetic to it, of course. Okay, so Adam... I appreciate your time. You know, I respect your opinion. And I don't know, mate. We'll we'll be following the next four weeks. Maybe we'll have you back on next month.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I hope that we we, we can talk in a more joyful atmosphere and mood.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, folks, go to impunityobserver.com. Get on our social media. Get on our e-newsletter, monthly e-newsletter. That one's for free. And if you want more than the, I think, six article cap per month, Subscribe. I think it's just $20 per month for the top quality geopolitical intelligence that I'm, I'm super proud of. Otherwise, thanks for tuning in today. Thank you to Adam Dubov. We'll leave it there. I'll catch you next month.